bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress featuring myself, Gina Brione, and my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza, who looks like a Disney princess today. <laughs> Thank Do. you. I look like the cartoon version. Yes. You do. All right. Notice, like, nothing annoys me more than when my internet doesn't want to work. Like, I'm annoyed. Annoyed. Like, because in my mind, it doesn't make sense. Like, you pay, I pay for Spectrum. You pay so much money. And, like, my brain goes, I don't want to hear, like, oh, your connectivity is at the highest. Yeah, say that to the fact that I keep freezing or turning off. Like, I just, know. give me more internet. More, in, you know, you don't remember more cowbell? I'm, more internet. More, were you into more. that sketch? The more cowbell sketch? No, I, I thought I like, you know, now understanding sketch writing. I like the build, but yeah. I didn't find it really funny. I actually, am, I'm, I'm going to say something that's pretty controversial. Oh, damn. I don't find Will Ferrell very funny. I find he, he has humorous moments. he it's humorous to me but he's not the funniest person i've ever seen like to me a jim carrey is funnier than a will ferrell and they live in the same world of physical comedy damn hat actually i kind of agree with you i don't i'm not like a huge fan of will ferrell but here's the craziest thing I ended up working with his brother, Pat Farrell, at a comedy mm. club. And apparently, Pat Farrell is who a lot of, uh, is who Will bases a lot of his characters on because he's got such um. a weird, quirky, like personality. Like, Pat Farrell's a big, massive human being and very quiet, very nice, very seemingly shy until you get him talking about math. Oh. He's like a math whiz. Is he the older brother? I think he is the older brother. Okay, uh-huh. that makes sense. Yeah. That people do that with their older siblings. But you see, that's the thing. Don't get me wrong. Here's my seat. Seems like the nicest person ever. Like Will Ferrell yeah. seems like he's a nice person, right? And I think that's a lot of the attraction people have with the work, where it's like, but I had somebody tell me, I think it was last year, when they were like, have you ever seen, they were watching Elf. And I was like, I've never seen Elf. And they were like, oh, you've never. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. It was funny. It was fun. But I've seen this character before. If anything, it was the best version of that character because it was supposed to be a very like uh, uh, whimsical character. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's what Will Ferrell does a majority of the time, unless he's playing an asshole, which he still has a very like quirkiness to him, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, I think Will Ferrell is to physical nice guy comedy. What, what was that guy's name? The one from uh, uh, the breakup from Wedding Crashers? Vince Vaughn. Same situation. One is just a nice version to me. Interesting. I don't see them yeah. the same because I do like Vince Vaughn. I but I do think that Vince Vaughn in every no, single... no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying they're the same. I'm saying the, I'm not saying I like them at the same level. I'm saying they're the same. Just one is like like a clean comedy version. Yeah. Where yeah. Vince Vaughn is a little dirtier, raunchier, but same build, same type of physical appeal, same yelling, literally the same. If you put them side by side, their work. They do similar stuff. One is just quirkier. Like Will Ferrell's just the Zoe Deschanel of Vince Vaughn. Wow. Catherine wrong, came though. for everybody's neck today, everybody. I don't know what Tell me- her, her internet's not working, so everybody's going down. I'm not and listen, like I said, I probably would love this person in person, and this is not an affront to the work, like, or to say that I don't like it. I just say. You can you can like something and still go. Hmm, I, I, here's my critique on it. 
I think that to me, Vince Vaughn always plays Vince Vaughn in everything. Yes! Like I'm like, I'm like, that's your actual personality though. But that's Will Ferrell. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know if that's Will Ferrell because I somebody I know did run into him at an awards event and he okay. was less than kind. Oh no, I mean that his, all his characters are the same version of a character. Yeah, but with Will Ferrell as opposed to Vince Vaughn, I don't think all of his characters are his personality. Oh no, that's not what I meant. I'm saying he yeah. has archetype of a character, right? And then he literally does different versions of that same character. And now his person, you don't say, right? But I'm saying he does the same character in different versions, the way Vince Vaughn does. Yeah. You oh. know what I mean? Like, well, I have, I have something to say. Okay. I'm thinking about it. It's going to get, get a little graphic. Are you ready? Oh, boy. It's about poop. It's about poop. Why does corn, like everybody knows, corn doesn't digest. But this is what I, here's my question. Is it just that you don't like chew the corn? Because I can vividly think about the chewing of the corn. So that means that it turned into little pieces. Does it go into the body and then like find its other pieces and reform before it hits the poop? Because how, where's the chewing process? The chewing is so that you can actually like, you know, digest. I remember chewing the corn. Make it make it make sense to me, Gina. Catherine, first I'd like to know <laughs> why do you think of these things? Like, why is this a thought <laughs> that you have right now about corn? Because in- I was thinking about I was thinking about digestion, and you know how you can't digest uh, corn, right? So like if you eat a corn whole, like the little, like the little, the, the, it's not a square. It's like a Tweety Bird head. That's what corn looks like to me. Tweety Bird's head. Ew, okay. So huh. the tw- think about it though. Think about it. So Tweety Bird's head piece, you eat it. Oh. Let's just say you eat it whole, you swallow it and then give it your digestion. It's going to be in your poop. You're going to see Tweety Caca, right? So here's my thing. But what about when you actually chew it? Mm-hmm. If I chew every piece of corn, meaning if I ate them individually and I, every piece, how does it show up fully formed again? What is the corn doing in my body? What- I don't know. I don't think it reanimates in your stomach, Catherine. <laughs> so then what are there corn pieces? Are there Sweetie Bird pieces that I don't? Like chew? Probably. I don't yeah. chew each kernel by itself. I bite I the corn and I chew whatever I gets chewed. No, wow. I eat all of it. I I'm like uh, what is it? <laughs> There's an animal that like uh is biting. What like is an it? Otter? Like no, an there's otter another one. A, 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 a bee. A beaver. beaver. We did it, people. We figured out what the animal was called. We did it. I'm, I'm like a beaver with corn. I know I chew it. And if I didn't chew it at like the chewing capacity, I chewed it enough. So how did it go fully formed? Something is happening. You ever seen the movie Osmo? <laughs> I think there are questions we're not meant to answer, Catherine. I need an answer, Jesus. I need an answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was what's on my mind today just go to confession at some catholic church and bring this up to a priest so he can give you whatever answer he receives this is the chewing of science i don't need the, the lord i need oh, science. my dress is I kind of it. sliding off my shoulder and i'm like oh hi <laughs> okay. I, she's not sexual i'm thinking about poop and corn yeah, she's making my poop and I'm like, oh, take a look at this shoulder. <laughs> be the Puerto Rican Jessica Rabbit over here. 
Uh, Ay, Jessica Rabbit. Jessica Rabbit. I'm Jessica Rabbit. Jessica. <laughs> I am not bad. I am just drawn that way. <laughs> so, if yeah. you don't understand that reference, you're you're you're, you're in the wrong young. age group right now. <laughs> if you don't understand that reference, you better put some respect on Jessica Rabbit's name. <laughs> bunch of haters oh so you want to get into our why are we like this girl why am i like this yes let's freaking jump into this because i'm slowly dying of caffeine um of a lack of caffeine that i'm trying to get back in my system um i remember when i was it's a tweet so we're gonna go into this tweet by sumerian baby is most likely what it's supposed to be but it's sumerian bby sumerian baby I remember when I was six, I got a hold of my dad's ID and it had an expiration date. I spent three hours crying because I thought that he was set to die on that date. He asked me why I was crying and I didn't tell him because I was scared he was going to cry as well. So what's the craziest or weirdest thing you remember thinking as a kid? Because for me, I know it's when my sister couldn't find her belly button and she started crying hysterically in her bed because she <laughs> couldn't find her belly button. She was like feeling up by her rib cage and was like, could, she couldn't find her belly button and she's screaming, crying. And my mom came running in and was literally like such a frustrated mom was just like, it's literally right there. And just like pointed at her belly button. And I was like, oh, she's she big mad. She mad mad. <laughs> she's like, my child is a dumbass. <laughs> I think this is so cute. Like, like expiration date. It makes sense. Look at it like milk. Hello? <laughs> I need to know if I'm freezing. <laughs> You are. You're freezing every now and then. Catherine's internet is experiencing trouble, so I feel like okay. I'm, I'm kind of talking to you, but then you freeze, and then I can't tell if you can hear me or if you're talking, so... No, I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Um, I said it. I think it's innocent like it it makes sense because like a little kid you would think expiration date was like milk right like you would have that assumption so it's so cute and innocent and i it's one of those freak out moments those little like little kid things for me i don't really know if there's one i mean i i did believe in like snakes in the toilet but i feel like that was told to me by somebody you know i'm like i don't know a weird thing oh i got one really random my my uncle's ex-wife told us she was going to the doctor and she went into a diner called kellogg's diner where i grew up and i was oh i lost your audio diner with half diner doctor's office okay what did you hear i heard that your aunt went into the diner so um, she went into the diner for so many years. I thought that the diner was half diner, half doctor's office. Because she said, I'm going to the doctor. And she went into the diner. And, and I swear, until I was like at least eight, I was like, yeah, that's Doris's doctor. And they were like, that's the diner. And I was like, oh, why? She said she was going to the doctor and went into the diner. I guess I thought like you could get like a checkup and a side of toast or something. Cause hey, I swear. Scandalo. I really in my head was like that she just went in, got something and then got into the L train, which is right across the street. You know what I mean? Like it's not even across the street. It's right on the street. So I, I but I believed it for so many years. Mm -mm. She was meeting a doctor That's at the, the diner. Things I believe. She was probably meeting a doctor at the diner, so 
she may not have taken the L train, but she was taking the D train. <laughs> I'm such a child. No, yeah, no, she. I'm not putting that out there. That's somebody's mom. I know. Um, she don't. Like, she was going Maury? into the train. No. No, no, Maury. Do we need to call Maury on this person? I. I don't know if I have no. anyone specific, like specifically. I'm wondering if there's, because I was Debbie's. Debbie had a thing, but I don't know what I believed as a kid. I mean, besides the obvious, like my favorite is how I found out about Santa Claus, because like one night I just woke up like before my mom was expecting me to wake up, and she was coming out from the attic, and they were putting like presents around the tree, and my mom just kind of looked at me like, "Eh, this is." Like, this is what it is. I'm Santa. Like, she just gave me that look, like, and I was like, okay. I just went back to sleep. I was like, all right, well, that's, I mean, childhood almost ruined. This is how I found out that, like, Santa Claus was not real. Like, my mom, one night I woke up in the middle of the night, my mom was just coming out of the attic with, like, presents, and she just kind of looked at me like, uh, like she didn't even have to explain it just looked at me like eh, well now you know go to sleep <laughs> and I was like all right like did you tell anyone no because I think I felt like my mom was a little bit um not upset but kind of bummed that that's how I found out you know I think when, when parents when it comes to telling your kids about stuff like Santa Claus it's just like, how do you tell them after you've told them for X amount of years that Santa Claus is a real thing? How do you pull your kids aside and just go, by the way, that was a total lie. Remember how I told you not to lie ever? Well, here's what mommy and daddy did. We lied to you for several years. See, I always knew. I never not knew. I don't remember believing in Santa Claus. I was suspect the whole time. Like, I was like, let me get this straight, mom. <laughs> Somebody is going to come into our house in the middle of the night, eat these cookies that I'm leaving out, and then leave me presents. Mm -hmm. You won't let any of my friends come in the house. <laughs> but you're going to let a strange white man with a beard come in. I don't think so, mommy. I really See, don't think so. That's the that's the thing I feel like because I had an immigrant mom, not that they don't, you know, they celebrate Christmas, but I don't think she really bought into the full American way. You know what I mean? Plus, yeah. in my mind, I, I would like, and she did tell us there was Santa Claus, but she would do it like, if you don't go to sleep. Yeah. You know, and I was like, so this is just your way of getting us to sleep. Or our daycare had a Santa that would come give us gifts. But that was my friend Richard's dad dressed up as Santa. So I was like, is it? No, that don't make no sense. Like, if there's one Santa Claus, why do we get daycare Santa presents? But I never yeah. said anything. No. And I remember, because I think I said it to my sister. I think I said it to my sister, because I do remember a conversation. I feel like I remember a conversation where my sister was like, but if you tell mommy you don't believe in Santa Claus, She's going to stop giving us extra gifts. You're the last hope. So I had to hold it down because I'm the baby. I was, I had to, you know what I mean? I think by the time I got like to the double digits, my mom was like, no, there's no Santa Claus because she wasn't trying to give us an extra gift. No. You know what no. I mean? What the most heartbreaking thing for me is, as I watch my son on the baby monitor, um, is when kids realize that they've gotten their last present and they just have this sad look on their face of like, that's all the presents for me. And my niece used to do this thing where like when she opened her last present, she'd get like so sad. And then she would just help other people open their presents, like just to feel some kind of like joy for opening a present. And it just broke my heart because I was like, I'm so sorry. There is no more present. You, you and I are so different in this. And this is so funny because you would think that as a cancer, I should be more emotional. I don't give a flying fuck. I actually feel like kids like that are annoying to me. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. 
because I grew up youngest of three, right? Yeah. And we're very close in age, very close in age. We would count our presents. So we knew we had seven, meaning we knew that like, okay, this is the last one. You feel me? So it's kind of like we had that anticipation. Plus part of the fun was the playing with it right away. So yeah, yeah, yeah. when kids do, when kids do that, I don't know why I feel like it's like when little, little kids do it, I get it because they're so little. Yeah. But after like, after four, maybe even not, maybe, maybe, but after four, I don't like it. I feel like it's a very spoiled kind of like thing. I, I don't know why depends, I feel like. It depends on how the parent um, handles the situation, I think. Because if you handle yeah. the situation and you just coddle the baby and you're just like, oh, it's okay. Here's another present for you. And you just keep giving into that behavior. That's going to create a spoiled brat. But if you can pull them aside and teach them gratitude for the presents that they have gotten and, you know, thank yes. you for that. And just being like, everybody's getting presents. So why don't, or like sometimes my niece would help clean up or something just to feel like she was doing something. You know what I mean? See, so it wasn't, in, it really in that case, it's cool. I think it, it really it's depends. It's cool in that case. Because the, the right. adults dictate how the kid's going to absorb that. Right. Because I feel like I don't, I don't believe, and I'm going to say something so mean. I don't believe in the whole, help me open my present. And here's why I don't believe that. Here's why I don't believe it. Because those are the kids that end up blowing out other people's candles. Because they feel, because it's more about the doing than it is about understanding. As you said, the everybody gets a present, no matter what age it is. Everybody enjoys that. Like, what is it? And teach. And again, like I said, certain ages, I get it. But when your kid is about seven, the fuck out my face with your seven-year-old like, can I open your present? No. Wow. You cannot. Catherine no. doesn't act up and she don't know how to act no more. The no, I'm not babysitting you. <laughs> I I true I truly feel this way. I listen, I was in a relationship with and there were two kids. Uh-huh. And I really mean this. And they, you learn certain things as you see, and especially when they're not yours. Yeah. Because then you look at the parent and you go like, I'm not trying to be rude, but your kid is going to blow out some other kid's candle one day and get slapped. <laughs> like, yeah. Because you make them, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying that it's like, because kids know, like I know kids who like, ellos tienen esa mirada, like, can I help you? That's different. I'm not talking about that kid. I'm talking about the presentado. The one who just goes to every present as if they're supposed to be allowed to, as if that is their birthright to open every gift. And those exist. Those yeah. exist. I think you're talking about the spoiled kids in general, where it's like they they have they take those actions of like it's about me, 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 me. And it, I'm talking more about just seeing the emotional reaction to a child when they have that realization when it's like oh, there's no more for me. Like when everybody else is still opening their presents and this poor little kid, and I'm not thinking anything over four or five, like a little kid. Who's yeah, like, yeah. Who's just like- Little kid oh. is different. Cause when you're- See, yes. By the time I was like seven, eight, nine years old, like I don't think I was in that space. At the most, I think I would get upset if somebody got me and my sister to a certain extent when we got separate presents. Cause we were so used to getting the same thing that when somebody would get her something different, I'd be like, but we don't have the same thing now. <laughs> Why would you do that? One time my aunt- Why would you betray the, us? My aunt very stupidly got my sister the Barbie and me the Ken. And I lost oh. my mind. Why? My mind. Cause I was like, I don't want to play with Ken, I want Barbie, like my sister who got Barbie, which I also wanted. <laughs> and it was just like that kind of attitude of like, I don't care about Ken. Nobody cares about Ken. I'm in it for Barbie. I want the shoes, the dress, the closet, the car, <laughs> everything. I was like, I want Barbie's Barbie life without Ken. She is independent. She pay her own bills. I want Barbie by herself. 
I get it. I do get the fact that, like, yes, as a girl, you it's clear you want it. Not every girl wants, but yeah, for yourself. Right. Now, here's the thing. Had that happened in my mom's house, you would have had no Ken, no Barbie, no nothing. Oh, she yeah, would have yeah. taken every gift. Oh no, rest she, assured. Is, rest assured, I was taught a lesson about being thankful that day. Rest assured, the attitude did not fly. And this is also why I think I feel this way because I didn't have family members who like ever fed into that. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were like, it okay, Christmas is over. Like <laughs> get over it. Like just yeah. my mom. And I don't need, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that it was like my mother was this holier than like, Oh, you learn, just got to learn gratitude. I don't really think that's all it was. I think it was also the fact that it's like, like my mom, maybe no. Cause my mom was big on the, there's kids in Africa. Like my mom was big on that, you know? And so my mom was like, you have sisters who have like other toys and y'all can play together. So yeah. to some degree, you did get more toys because my mom was big on sharing. For me, it was hard by the time my sister got so much older that I started getting presents that they were no longer like, they weren't getting toys at a certain point. And I was like, I got over to play with. I, mm-hmm. I, I got a Barbie, but like, she got a CD player. Like, yeah. How can I play with her CD player? I can't. You know, like I, I understand you in that. Yeah. But no, I think it was I, more I, about too, like what your siblings were willing to share with you. Oh no, there was no willingness in my house. There was you have to. You have to. There was no unless it was like clothes. No, there was. This was. This is a house of sharing. Like my mother would actively do the same thing. She would buy my sister Barbie. She would buy my sister Skipper. And she would buy me Kelly. Cause you know, they're all different ages. And then she would buy like Josephine will get like, maybe somebody will get Josephine the picnic set. Oh wait, I lost your audio. Okay, now I Hello? now it's back, now it's back. On, on today's episode of Mess in Progress, we are 100% truly a mess. We are technically yes. a mess today, so we're just going to this is, it. This is an audio mess in progress. This is um, an audio mess in progress, guys. So my, my, my mom, they would get us different things so we could play as a group. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I did have a cousin, no names mentioned, who was that kind of kid that you're talking about? Well, yeah. not that you were talking about, that we're talking about, that would like want to open everything. And I also think that the reason why I'm not empathetic with certain ages is because I hated that my cousin was like that. I hated it. So I think to this day, I look at little kids and I'm like, you're annoying. Like, I'm sorry, your parent needs to teach you not to be, a- I won't do anything or say anything, yeah. but I really look at it. If anything, I look at the parent like, what kind of human being are you about to raise? Show, yeah. show the class. Show the class who you are. And like, even as a parent, knowing how frustrating and like, because of course, there's nothing more annoying as a parent than when you hear the opinions of people that don't have children. But the fact is, those people are picking up on something that you may be neglecting. As much as it might annoy you, you're when you're a parent you're concentrated on so many different things like I'm constantly worried about his safety I'm constantly worried about his health I'm constantly worried about this so if there's something that I'm missing like I noticed my son yesterday he started grabbing the spoon when I would feed him but the problem is then he won't let the food the spoon go he wants to chew on it he wants to play with it so at first I was just letting him have the spoon and I just grab another spoon but I realized every time I took it out of his hand he would start crying and throwing a fit so I took it out of his hand and he started to make a face and I was like stop and I literally just I I was breathing with him and I was like calm down I know you're upset but this is not a toy and I talked to him like a grown-up this is not a toy I'm going to feed you with this and then I will take you back to your playpen and you can play with your toys and he just like he didn't freak out or cry like crazy he stayed calm and i just kept and it's all about your tone and how you talk to them and not snatching things away from kids but teaching them like that attitude does not fly in this situation 
I'm not yeah. letting you get away with that because the next thing I know, we'll be in a restaurant, you're five years old and you're crying because somebody took something away from you. And it's like, that I can't, I have to let him understand his emotions better than that. And that's about taking the time and explaining it. And when I see people like me and James talk about it all the time, how we grew up in environments, like what you were talking about, where people said sh shit like, because I said so, or like, it doesn't matter, or just do it, or whatever, like just gave you these commands with no explanation. And you and I have talked about this, which is gets into a fear of authority. And now I, I won't speak up at work either, or I won't talk back to people I think that are wrong at school because I don't, I'm not supposed to question anyone. And so that just creates a bigger problem when you don't leave that environment. I'm going to be a very annoyingly progressive parent. But, but let me, okay, but let me challenge that a bit because I don't think there's anything wrong with that part, right? Like, because I agree with the whole, like, you can't have this, like, dictator parenting. Like, that can harm the kid, like, 100%, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but to your point and your statement of, because uh, I find it annoying when parents are constantly like, uh, well, you don't have kids. And here's why I'm going to bring that up. Because hypothetically, your, your son goes into school. He has a teacher, right? There are parents who go to the teacher. Do you have kids? That is, though, to me, that is just as much as problematic as anything else. Because that, because that is almost being um, weaponized. You know what I mean? You don't understand the person. Not you. In general, people who say that don't understand whether it was a choice whether it was just chance, don't understand what they're triggering in others. Don't, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, and so I understand the sentiment of there's nothing more annoying than somebody who, because basically what you're saying is somebody who has an experienced parenthood, mm -hmm. right? But that's an assumption as well. A parenthood has many facets, even if that child hasn't biologically been yours, right? So there are different facets to parenthood there are some people. Yeah, are no, no, people adopt, and I understand that. But I think what I'm saying, or or, or raise somebody that, who is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you your can, situation is I, different. You dated somebody for several years no, and no. had two kids. But besides that, I think yeah. the issue. Like, I, I also feel like when people get defensive, when parents are like, "Oh, you don't have kids," it's like people get very defensive on the other end of that going like, and, and they start going at the parent and it's like, there's literally no but way you that you could understand. That doesn't mean that the person can't have an opinion. That doesn't mean the person's not right. I'm not saying any of that. I understand it from both perspectives, having been the person that doesn't have kids and looked at somebody who did have kids and was like, Oh, I don't agree with that. I wouldn't do that that way. Now me personally, Unless it's somebody I feel very comfortable with, I don't speak up unless I feel like somebody's either in danger or it's something that's very, very damaging, like saying something derogatory to a child or, or something like that. Like somebody was telling me yesterday that, um, oh, it was uh, Evelyn was telling me, um, you know, that her little nephew, they call him, they called him Gordito and they'd go, oh, my little Gordito. And she stopped him and she was like, you know, that could be really damaging to his self-esteem and there's like stuff like that where it's right. like yeah sometimes you don't realize it but I also understand from the parental perspective um whether you whether you've adopted whether you're involved in foster care and you you know foster some kids like I can understand that that like sort of um it's hard to describe you you know firsthand you're you're in you're Okay, this is what this is what I because this is how I see it as somebody yeah. who on um, I literally heard it and I'm not offended by it. I just go, it is a shut up. It is a shut up. It is. And, and the thing is, parents don't want to admit that. It is a oh no, I will 100 percent admit that it is a shut up because for a lot right. of parents too, it is like you're not in the club. You haven't had the sleep. You haven't gone to the doctor with your kid with 103 right. fever. You right. haven't been deliriously tired. You're not right. in the club. So but it is, it is a shut up. I'm not saying it's okay, but, but I agree. I, no, no, no. 
Right, but that's what I'm saying. But to Evelyn's point, right? None of that other stuff you just said matters if in the end, developmentally, it is a valid point that you could harm any child. So that's where I go. Parents, in my opinion, need to stop saying you're not a parent because it's a shut up when they don't feel like there's anything that they can learn unless somebody had gone through. You understand? Like it's that at that point as well, like I said, going back to a teacher or Evelyn, not a parent, but a nanny, right? To many, to some degree, Evelyn has a whole bunch of experience with children, just not pushing one out and sleepless nights. Which what I'm still, saying honestly would still change her perspective, even if she did in a lot of ways. And that's why it's difficult for me to say, right. like, do I, do I agree with parents doing that all the time? No, but I get it. Like, I get it because like, just for, it's like somebody, it's like somebody talking about comedy to me and they've never done stand up. They've never done anything, but they're giving me their opinions on stand up. Doesn't mean their opinions are not valid. It doesn't mean what they're saying isn't valid. Right. But to someone like me and to any other comic, it's like, okay, but you're not a comedian. So my perspective right, but, is but, going to be different like, based on what I've been through. My but, perspective but is different. But the difference between parenthood and comedy is that, in my opinion, is that um, they could be, hypothetically, could be an avid fan of comedy they could learn about comedy they don't have to get up on stage to maybe whatever that opinion is to yeah. have some validity now let me let me find another let me find another example womanhood mm -hmm. a man a cis hetero man telling a woman about womanhood mm -hmm. that i think is more comparable that's where i understand no you've never had someone come out of your body you've never had to sleep this nice just the same way as a man can't tell me what it is to have a period you feel me like in that sense I get it where you go like just because you had a sister growing up who had a period doesn't mean you had a period there's where I understand parents right mm -hmm. where I where where I would go back into the comedy example is by going parenthood is not something that like you have to sign up for Anybody can become a parent, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And I really feel that way. That depends on somebody's biology. There are plenty of women that can't. No. And there are plenty of men. Okay. That can't become but, what, but what I'm saying is that it, unless that is your situation, you don't have to take a test or go through years of training to become a parent. Do you know what I mean? So in that sense, what I'm it, it there is a bit of an exclusivity thing. Again, and I'm not talking about anybody down the street should be able to give you an opinion. I'm just saying that if, for instance, like like what you like what you just said about Evelyn, I've literally said that. I haven't said it to the parent, but I have said it to like my mom. I've said to my mom, it is not okay that you constantly walk into a room and before you say hi to all of us, you have to look us up and down and make a comment about our physical especially because we have a child who is a woman who is in the room and she is seeing that and learning that mm -hmm. you understand so even if you even if you're one of your first comments on her is, it is not okay mm -hmm. my mother isn't her parent but my mother is a parent and i am not mm -hmm. the point there is that i am a person like evelyn who has a Experience the hurt off of that type of situation. So the comment of parenthood shouldn't even be brought up. It shouldn't because the, the, the statement isn't about whether you're a parent or not. It's about the human experience. And so when a parent says you're not even a parent, they're trumping the fact that it's about a human experience just to say shut up. That's all I'm saying that a lot, it's you sometimes where it's like nobody asks you and those are valid, but other times it's, it's weaponized. It is. And I think that parents don't always want to admit that they weaponize things. It doesn't make you, a, it doesn't, parenthood doesn't make you some type of a saint. And I do think a lot of parents do that. That they think at some point they've elevated. That's what it comes off to me. That's my experience with 
around certain parents, not all parents, certain parents, and especially the less progressive they are. You make a valid point about the whole parents weaponizing stuff. I think a lot of people weaponize their kids. I've had people that have children weaponize their children against me both before and after I was a parent. And yeah, it's- But they're not weaponizing their kids. They're weaponizing their parenthood. That's what I'm saying. In one situation, it was kind of weaponizing somebody did use their children in in a sense to weaponize or to hurt me and that was just the thing that somebody you know some people do shitty things sometimes i don't think parents realize when they're doing that um and there is a little bit of how should i put this like they do put themselves almost on a pedestal um some parents um and nobody talks about it though that's the thing. I would be, I would be astounded to come across a group of parents who actually called it out. And the reason yeah. I say it is because of only one reason. Because in the end, if you are willing to check yourself as a parent, if you are willing to literally call out the fact that weaponizing parenthood is a problem, you will realize that that is also going to have a domino effect on your parenting, on the kind of adult uh, uh, people you bring into the world. Yeah. 100% it will. Yeah, you do make some valid points and I hope people will listen to uh, your valid points because I do think that there's a whole generation of parents that, and there's, thankfully there's like millennial parents and they'll be like, that are trying to change that dynamic and parents that are also Gen Z parents, I think will be completely different. So I think, you know, there's a change happening. It's just, there's a certain generation of parents and it, it usually comes from that generation that grew up with the I told you so because I said so kind of like parents that have that tendency to lean towards, you know, weaponizing their parenthood in that sense. Like I'm better than you in a way because I'm a parent or I'm further along in life because I'm a no, parent. No, they speak to you like a parent. They yeah. just speak to, they, parents speak to non-parents like they're their parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know what in, I mean? In some they cases, I'm not going to generalize, but I think in in some cases they can be very condescending. Well, when when the statement "you're not a parent" comes out, mm-hmm. nine out of ten times it's condescending. Nine out of ten times, even if the parent is in the right, even if they're in the right, it's like you don't have the right to tell anybody to shut up. You don't have the right. Yeah. So I there mean, is. To me, it will always depend. You could depend. say, "I don't want." Sh- I don't want your opinion. Yeah. That's fine. But you're not a parent is a shut up. I think I, I get it. But I think depending on, because to me, it's always dependent on how things are said. And if somebody is literally just making a factual statement, like you happen to not be a parent, like that's different from somebody saying something like, well, you're not a parent. Like to me, tone and intention right. is everything. If you're just like, no, oh, you're, you're not a parent though. Like, it's like, okay, well, that's a factual statement. I'm, you know, if it's I wasn't- still a- shut up. It's just a kinder shut up. It's just a, well, shut up. Well, that's all it some, is. Some it's a kinder are, shut up. Well, some things are just factual. It, it depends to me. It really depends on the instance. Like sometimes it is just a fact that somebody is stating versus somebody using it to shut you up. Cause somebody can agree with your point and still say something like that. But like I said, if we're going to take out intent- then intent, you know, intent has to be in there somewhere. So if someone's intent is like, I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just trying to state a fact. Like think of, I always think about it. In but it's the of- fact they know. Like what is the point of the fact that you know, they know, they know they're not a parent, right? Yeah. Like, do they need to be told that? They mean, oh baby, I kissed you and got red lipstick all over me, pink lipstick. Um, I think it, I still think it depends. Yes, they know. But to a certain extent, somebody could just be pointing out, yes, the obvious, like, okay, okay, what? well, you're not a parent. That doesn't mean that I don't agree with you, but you're not a parent. You know what I mean? Like, what, what I'm saying is that it's uh, no matter how, it's a shut up. Cause even if you're pointing out the obvious, cause you could say, I agree with you, but I don't want your opinion. Or I agree with you, but that's not how I do things. I, there's so, the minute you say you're not a parent, the onus is no longer about what the opinion was, right or wrong. It's about the high and mighty, the club. It is not about the child. It is not about the opinion. It is about the club. 
And that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. That it's like that in itself is weaponized. There is no way to say you're not a parent without what that isn't in a weaponized way. And until parents admit that, it is always going to be weaponized. See, I don't, I don't think it's always weaponized, but that's just a difference of opinion that we have. I don't think it's always weaponized. I think you have to pay attention to intent. And if somebody's intent is not to weaponize it or hurt your feelings, if they're just being like, they could just literally be saying it to themselves out loud, like, okay, but, or just pointing it out, like not in a condescending way, but in a factual, you're not a parent way. And some people, yes, for some people that is weaponized. For some people, it's just a fact that they're stating and the weaponization depends on, to a certain extent, the trauma of the person you're talking to. If somebody you're talking to has had parental trauma and you say that to them and they feel triggered, then it's weaponized to them. Exactly. So I guess guess what I'm saying is that the statement, regardless of intent, is to what avail. It's to what, you know what I'm saying? Like it's to to what avail. And the thing is that if we are conscious of each other as human beings, then you don't know what other people's internal, I mean, we all have parents. We don't all know what our relationship, what our parents are. So I'm saying if we started having this conversation that Mm. saying you're not a parent is, is, can be weaponized, not is weaponized, can be weaponized then being conscious of that fact would start to change with the years where parents don't say that anymore to non-parents because they don't know what they're triggering in that other person. The way many other things can be said that trigger people. It's just, uh, to me, that just becomes something where I feel like there should, the way everybody in this world should be criticized, parents are no exception. Mm -hmm. They should be allowed to be critiqued for the way that they, uh, uh, behave in their parenthood with other people, not, but with other people. I lost that little part of audio before you said, um, with other people, um, not their children, okay. but with other people, you know what I mean? Like their children, I'm still, on, I'm still completely on the side of like their child is their child and they yeah. have the right there, but Again, uh, becoming a parent, I, I would always say this, but becoming a parent doesn't like elevate your human status. Yeah. And I think that's how it's usually said. Mm-hmm. I think I've never seen a circumstance where it wasn't said that regardless of intent, regardless of tone, where my brain always goes, well, why was that necessary? Mm-hmm. Like, why was it necessary? And if the, if the necessary is to, you might as well just be like, period. Mm-hmm. Like You might as well end it with, no matter how you say it, period. Because what can the person say? Mm-hmm. They can't, they can't respond. Mm-hmm. You know, you put somebody in that position. How do I say this? I think especially towards women, men may feel less offended, but other women, Hearing that from a mother, mm-hmm. you don't know how you're making her feel. And mm-hmm. that's an important thing in our womanhood. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm, I'm not saying that men don't get offended and men don't get sensitive about parenthood. Yeah. But I'm just saying women, you might, not you, but somebody might be saying it to a woman and not yeah. knowing what her relationship with parenthood is. They don't know what they're triggering. Yeah. So I'm. that's, that's where I stand on it. It's not that I think parents are bad. I just think there is no critiquing parents. And that I, I'm like that with anything in this world. Everything should have the ability to be critiqued because nothing is perfect. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think that's fair. Right, Bubs? What do you say? You say nothing. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. It's- completely unopinionated about this topic uh, <laughs> let's, uh let's get like, towards tiktok of the day he was like she's right there i can't say nothing mommy she's right there come on now <laughs> no in my mind it was you and the she he was like i can't critique the parent the parental's right there, right there. <laughs> 
Hi. Uh, okay. So, so we're gonna get into our TikTok. Uh, Bubs, you're here for the TikTok of the day. How do you feel about that? And nothing. All right. Um, I'll read it aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, since your hands are busy. Yes. Um. So why do girls always wait? On, oh, sorry. This TikTok of the day comes from Jay Crush a lot. Jay Crush a lot. Okay. Um, why do girls always wait until after the relationship to be the best versions of themselves? Why would you go into a relationship with the mindset of, I know I'm overweight, but you have to accept me the way I am. I know I'm a bad person. I have a bad personality and attitude, but you have to accept me the way I am. As soon as somebody dumps you for those problems that you brought, it's like you want to reinvent yourself completely and act like you bossed up. Why couldn't you have bossed up in the relationship? Why does it take getting broke up with to finally do better for yourself? I don't think every woman does that, but uh, clearly the girl that Jave uh, is crushing, they do that. Um, I think it's all about motivation. Some people need that as motivation to sort of step their game up. Like they use that breakup and that sadness for that cathartic catalyst where they're just like, I'm sad and I need to change. And how do I, how can I change in a positive direction by becoming my best self? And, you know, I think that's where the idea kind of originates or comes from. It's like, I want to be my best self because I need to make myself feel better. I need to be in a happier place. And then sometimes you just realize things later on. I think you can go through a relationship with somebody and maybe not realize that you were unhappy with certain things, certain aspects of your personality or, or certain things about your weight or your looks that you want to improve, but you don't want to improve it for someone. You want to improve it for yourself. So I think, you know, I personally think that it's not necessarily a bad thing to want to boss up after because it can teach you so much about yourself and what you want for your next relationship or what you just Mm -hmm. don't want for your next relationship. And it's an important thing for anybody to grow and evolve. If you can do that with a partner, then that's great. But sometimes people are just not on the same page and they cannot grow together. And it takes them not being together for each of them to grow. You know, sometimes you got to wait it out and see where you're, where you're at in life. And some people get back together after the glow up. Some people do get back together. So I just, think, right. you know, there's a lot to be said about the glow up that isn't necessarily negative. And if it wasn't working with somebody and they didn't make you feel that wants to evolve, maybe it's better off that you do it by yourself. Right. Yeah. See, I feel like Jay Crush a lot is butthurt. That's what it sounds like. It like, sounds like you somebody glowed up after being with you. Yeah. And and here's my thing. So I would have I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go agree to agree and disagree. Not okay. agree to, agree and. So for instance, I agree with the bad personality thing. So for instance, if you come into a relationship and you have a crappy personality. And then you're like, but you just got to take me. That's a no. That's not okay. So if the person liked you, well, first off, Jay, if you liked a girl who had a bad personality and you were just hopeful that she would change, then maybe you need a glow up because you need to not be with girls thinking you could change them. Right. Bueno. And you need and you need to not be uh, 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 worried about whether her personality got better or act, like better after you or not. She clearly made the decision because, like you said, you broke up with her for that exact attitude problem. So she was like, I need to work on that. You put her on. And she, even if she at first was like, he got to deal with it. Maybe you put her on and she got like, she really liked you. And you were like, no, that she was like, I don't want this to happen again. So that's why she grew up in that personality change. Now, the physical one, the weight one. I completely disagree because in that one, you accepted who this person was from when she walked in. And that person has no reason not to be like, you got to accept me for how I am because hello, that's how I entered it. But if you broke up with them because they were overweight and you let them know that, first off, you created an insecurity and they handled it and had a glow up. You that you don't deserve them. If it's a weight thing, you don't deserve Reach. them. 100%. So that's where I stand on it. I go and you and so th- this might have just been 
examples, right? That this person gave. Yeah. But in my opinion, why are you mad that somebody had, like when you say, oh, because why couldn't they glow up during the relationship? Maybe they couldn't because you let them know that you was not into their physical appearance. And that doesn't make anybody feel motivated to go to the gym, to want to better themselves because they feel disgusting to you. If it's a physical thing, mm -hmm. if it's a personality thing, if it's a personality thing, let me tell you why people can't do that in the moment. Because personalities, especially at certain ages, after 25, are, are, are hard habits to change. So even if they started going to therapy, even if they started doing all that, if you told them on Monday and expected them to change it by two Mondays from now, that's not going to happen. That's not realistic. So maybe that's why they couldn't glow up in the relationship because maybe you weren't being patient. Maybe. Or maybe some people, even if they do change, people tend to still think that we are who we were at our worst mm. sometimes. And so the glow up was because maybe the obstacle was removed. Even if you were the one to remove it, you could have been the obstacle. That's where I stand on it. Damn, Jay. I think she got you, son. I think she got <laughs> you. She read you like a book. <laughs> I put my son in his Sorry. Place, so I'm waiting to see if he starts to go crazy because he's trying to figure out how to flip over a toy that he has flipped on the side. I can see his little baby brain trying to be like, I don't know how it got like this. All right. Well, that was a good try. You did good. He fell on top of the toy. You did good. It's okay, baby. You're going to get it up. Do you? Just encouraging words so he doesn't lose his mind. Um, I agree with your points, man. You make some really good points, especially about the weight, like, if you make somebody feel insecure about their weight, don't expect them to glow up with you because it literally, as somebody who was put through that, like it, it literally makes you feel disgusting. And you're like, I don't want to glow up because I just feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like a disgusting human being that you don't want to touch or be with or whatever. So that does suck. And if you ever treated somebody like, like that, then you suck as a person right my son says so too that's my son right he's, he's like he's yeah, just facts. jay all he really is is jay crush a lot of feelings crush a lot of spirit <laughs> jay crush a lot of projecting i think you need to yes. stop projecting sir i think you need to stop that we're gonna get into our dear gina before my son loses his mind he's looking and be like wait a second i was just on your lap what happened you good you good you good player all right, we're getting to our dear Gina, my boyfriend. Dear Gina, my boyfriend of a year recently told me he wants a break. He doesn't find me sexually attractive. Are you dating Jay? And if he has the opportunity, he'd cheat on me. Oh, no. He said he's been quite unhappy for a couple of weeks with me and has suicidal thoughts again. I was about to say something. Yeah. He recognizes that it's him with the issue and knows I'm a good person. So he would love to love me just as much as I love him. He was adamant that this isn't a breakup, just a break. He politely told me to pack up all my stuff and give him a couple of weeks. I haven't reached out because I want to respect his decision. I'm taking the time to focus on grad school and my health. Should I hold on to hope? Is this a break or should I delete him from my life? I love him and know it sounds silly, but I thought he was the one. What should I do? This is a tough one because I know you love him and the heart wants what it wants. And that's the difficult part about love. But I do not like the emotional manipulation that I'm seeing here at all. I do not like the fact that he is telling you things like he doesn't find you sexually attractive. Yes, it's honest. I understand that. Yes, it's honest. And is it better that somebody be honest or just cheat? If they're honest in the, the right ways, like a better way would be maybe putting an initiative into place where you both start to work out more, where you both start to eat healthy and he can be supportive or whatever. Any, anything other than telling your partner you don't find them sexually attractive, which is so damaging to someone's self-esteem in so many ways, you know, and the fact that he would say that he'd cheat on you if he had the opportunity. That's horrible. That is a horrible thing to say to another person. And although I know you love this person, I think based on what I am reading here, 
you might have a tendency to ignore a lot of red flags and probably date some toxic people, which says a lot about your view of yourself. What I think you should do is 100% delete him from your life and glow up via via our TikTok of the day, glow up on your own and for yourself and fall in love with yourself more than you love somebody who tell, who's telling you they would willingly cheat on you if they had the opportunity. Love yourself enough to know that that is not a healthy relationship and that is not a good place. Even if you did go back to this person who's saying that he had this person has suicidal thoughts because they're unhappy in the relationship or just in general, that is an emotional manipulation and that is not fair to you. So I say, get rid of him, work on loving yourself so that you can find your next great love or your next great relationship. Even if that next great relationship is the one with yourself. Do you Google? Bueno. Bueno. Okay. There's a few things. For me, I agree 100%. It's emotional manipulation. 100%. My thing is, so you were thinking of cheating on me at the same time that you were thinking suicidal thoughts? Like, which happened? Then what happened before because the Because you're going to die like, either way. <laughs> did you? Right, because uh, did you want to cheat on me and then do it? Like, I'm, I'm sorry, that's like super dark for me to joke on. But the fact is, my man is a joke. You're a jokester. Not his existence. Not that I don't think God, you know, God bless him. He needs to find help because I'm sure he does. But the whole suicidal thoughts again thing kind of gets me because that feels abusive. Not the fact that this person has suicidal thoughts, but it's this again thing, which kind of adds guilt to you. It's like, I, this is something I'm going through. And listen, if you have a partner and they have mental issues or they have depression issues or stuff like that, I'm not one to say, leave your partner, don't be there for your partner. But this is a person who is telling you, I don't find you sexually attractive. I would cheat on you if I had the chance. But then remember, I also get suicidal thoughts. That's guilt. That's mm -hmm. guilt. Like, because una persona se siente como like, sorry, I had, I switched into Spanish. I don't even know if you know Spanish, but somebody feels like, oh my God, I care for you. You know, I don't want this to happen to you. So whatever I need to do, now they get to put the terms on the page. We're not breaking up. It's a break. No. No. Mm -hmm. No, because, so why? So that you can go look for those if I got the chances and now you don't have the guilty conscience of I didn't cheat on her because we was on a break. You know what I mean? And my question is, if you were to go do you in the time period, would that trigger some of the depression, suicidal thoughts? Are you worried about how you could affect their mental health? I'm sorry. I'm not, I, I believe you should care about other people, but you should also consider yourself first. You know, we we come into this world alone and we're gonna end, um, uh, leave this world alone. And the only person in charge of us is us. So you need to think about how this is affecting you. So you can love him, you can all of that. But this person has, and even the whole, he politely told me to pack up my stuff, to pack up my stuff? And it's a break? Oh, so you don't even want evidence in your house. So when you bring those options, no, no, no. I'm going to leave all my stuff that I don't immediately need. And it better be exact because it's a break. It better be exactly where I left it. No, you. this person sounds like they're they test you. They want to see how much they can run the show. You know what I mean? And this is just the beginning of a long history of not only manipulation, but gaslighting, but controlling, and whatever the, whatever else trickles from that type of start. Plus, you said it's been a year, a year, which means COVID. So, so now that everybody's outside, what's a coincidence? You want to be outside too, but single? 
Yeah. Dead end. No. It, this is not about love. This is, this, no, no, no. You know, let me say that again. This is about love. But loving yourself. 100%. He can go figure out who can love what he is offered. You need to love yourself. 100%. Me and Kat are completely in agreement. You need to go go get that glow up. Go get that glow up because this this is done. This is done. We we can do better. So we're going to do better. Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at CatherineG.Mendoza, on Twitter at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E-G-R-A-C-E, 24, Kathy Grace, 24. Fantastic. You guys know you can find me at G Brion on Instagram. GinaBrion.com is the website. You can check out The Floor is Lava on Amazon and keep up with me on America's Got Talent. Um, soon as voting starts, I'm going to need y'all to support your girl. Let's make history. Let's make this the first year a comic wins. So everybody yeah. definitely listen up. You know I love to end the show with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day. So when life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time, people. Until next time. Do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she tight bad. Mm-hmm. Go to sleep, I call him my nightcap. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.